Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the live broadcast. My name is Ryan Treasure. I'm with voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. And I'm joined here with Lori H. Schwartz and Robert Cellino. Guys, welcome to the broadcast today. Hello. Thank and, you, and Ryan. Good morning. It's NAB show time. Oh, yes. Yesterday was uh, an amazing day. Had a lot of good speakers here at the advertising theater and had great energy. Seemed like there was a, a, you know, a mad rush at 10 o'clock yesterday morning to get everybody in here. And uh, we had a, a, a nice uh, audience yesterday as well that was very exciting. So really looking forward to uh, what we got going on today. Well, and what's exciting about today is we're digging into the business of ad tech. So yesterday we focused on broadcast and today we're focusing on ad tech. Some people also call it MarTech, but really getting into how technology is impacting the future of digital and uh, and the internet business model and all the content now that's flowing in and out of that world. And I think it's especially relevant. A week ago, Facebook had F8 where they announced all their latest publisher tools and the ability to upload live video streamed directly from Facebook and instant articles where publishers can publish directly to Facebook. So it's really important right now to understand like what is happening online and how do brands, marketers, businesses monetize their content Mm -hmm. when there's all these social platforms getting yeah, that was a conversation that we had at the hotel last night was just kind of how um, how different you know in in the 1980s and 1990s content was consumed a one way and there's been you know just a complete shift in the last few years 10 15 of how content is consumed and you know having advertisers being able to reach uh, the ears and the eyeballs of the way content is currently consumed and you know really working towards that so it's been really cool to kind of hear you know so what some of these other people are doing and their ideas and all of that Robert, did you learn a lot yesterday? I learned a ton yesterday. <laughs> I took notes. <laughs> what What was for both of you? Because we talked a lot with with network folks and people directly involved in sort of that crossover between broadcast and broadband. What was a big takeaway for you guys? What I noticed was just the way that ads are being delivered. Uh, you know, with uh, video on demand, and it kind of seems that the the live linear in television is kind of starting to curb uh, in in a direction where uh, advertisers are having to find new ways to reach those audiences with uh, DVRs and everybody being able to fast forward through those commercials, and it makes it really hard for uh, those people to insert uh, those advertising in those different pieces and places where they need to go. And uh, you know, one thing I thought was cool is you know, kind of uh, getting away with uh, the pre roll ad and some of those things and injecting stuff right into the actual content. Um, And so my takeaway was just understanding how that's all consumed and and delivered now. Yeah, it's really the merging in many ways of digital tools into more of the traditional broadcast advertising environment. And so you're seeing a real mixing and merging of the almost philosophy and monetization approach to to those two worlds. And today we're going to dig more into the ad tech side um, with some some great panels. And the first one up is a really hot topic, which is all about ad blocking. Yep. Ad blocking is like the terror on the street right now. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. I mean, can you imagine you get invited to a party and the door just closes on you? I mean, that's kind of how it is. <laughs> yeah, that was another topic of conversation was just how the ad blocking, it doesn't not just impacting um, advertisers, but it's also impacting the content, content. creators and the platform delivery yes, yes. as well. Because, you know, if you have that ad blocked and it doesn't have the opportunity to complete um, its cycle or get to the portion where you can skip it to get to the video, then you don't get to watch what video you're looking for in the first place, and it turns everybody off. Yeah, it's really disrupting the whole system 
you know, in non-positive ways. On the other hand, it's a battle cry from the audience for us to figure out something new because yep. I don't actually think people mind ads as long as they're relevant and not in, non-interruptive mm-hmm. and things like that because I'm a busy person. I like to be served content that helps my life. So again, through targeting, if you serve me the right content, I'm more open to it. However, I don't want that shoe ad following me all day <laughs> yeah, and re- weeks later. Yeah, what are they? I think that's called go. retargeting. Yeah, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm sure everyone will talk about that today too, but that's just, you know, that is annoying, especially if you've decided not to purchase it or if you already have purchased it, you know, and you're continuously served that same ad. So anyway, these are all the exciting challenges that modern publishers and brands in the digital space and now moving over to broadcast are trying to really tackle and figure out how to manage. Um, and, and it's, you know, hordes of companies are trying to figure this out. I mean, hordes, just like the Vikings. <laughs> right. I don't know why I chose that word. <laughs> hordes. Good but word. anyway, you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, and uh, just kind of to segue right into uh, the panel, as I see some of the people are starting to fill the theater in and uh, our moderator is here and panelists are starting to show up. And uh, here in a couple of minutes, we'll move right into the truth about ad blockers and making lemonade out of lemons. Uh, so why don't uh, you guys hang tight? Lori, I know you're going to head yep. up to the front of the stage and do your thing and we'll take a quick commercial break and when we come back we'll be live uh with the first panel session here at nab 2016 hi everybody and we are broadcasting live right now at the advanced advertising theater on voiceamerica.com today is the business of ad tech and we are digging into a lot of the modern themes that are facing all of us as we try to understand and monetize content in a variety of digital channels. And so on today's panel, we have the fabulous Paul Katanis from DigiDay. He's the Chief Marketing and Communications Officer. And Paul's gonna jump in with his fabulous panel. Ladies and gentlemen, let's have a hand, an advanced advertising theater hand. I've come to expect a loud, roaring noise for you for Mr. Paul Katanis. Hi everyone, welcome. Thank you for coming and enjoying story time with our panelists here. It's a, it's a lovely day here at NAB to start the day. I'd like to uh, kick off our ad blocking discussion by having each of our panelists give you a, a little introdu- introduction of themselves and to give you an idea of where they're coming from, what their area of expertise is, because as we weigh in this topic, it'll be very important to know what their, uh, what their viewpoint is. So starting my left here with Ryan. Do we have to start like it was a story? Once upon a time. Go for it. Um, so, Ryan, hi, hi guys. Ryan Nathanson. Um, I'm vice president of uh, digital strategy and ad operations for Federated. I've uh, been doing it for about six, six years or so. My background is in um, online publishing. Uh, so, I have seen magazines go from pu- uh, print to digital, uh, and that's kind of where my perspective comes from, and helping uh, all of the content creators across the web manage ad blocking and monetization uh, and content creation. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Dave Bickford. I work at Bloomberg. I head up uh, TV sales and then also manage a team of cross-platform sellers. Um, my POV on this topic is basically focused on the user experience. It's focused on uh, maximizing the impact for the, uh, for the commercial message and then also what we can learn from past experiences in media. Um, so with that, I'll pass it off. Hi, Aaron Kapsinski. 
I am with Perch. I run marketing for them. And Perch, similar to my fellow panelists, we specialize in content, online content. So we're a digital publisher. But what's a little bit different about Perch is that we also have a pretty heavy commerce component um, through affiliate as well as direct sales. And we have a pretty robust community. So to give you an idea, we're 100 million uniques per month. Uh, that's globally, and we facilitate about $1 billion in commerce as well, and we have about 9 million uh, community members. So our business is, is uh, a good mix. Thank you, and uh, my name is Paul Cantonis. I'm your moderator for today. I'm the Chief Marketing Communications Officer at Digiday. I'm kind of coming at this from two angles. Digiday is itself a publisher, so we're a publisher that covers media, advertising, marketing, and the changes that are happening there. Plus, as a publisher, we are also if, uh, impacted by ad blocking, and so it's relevant for us as an issue within the industry. So, you know, we all, we all agreed in our conversations prior to the panel that we know ad blocking is an issue. We understand that it is impacting our revenue models, it is impacting the advertising products that we are able to sell, and the way our advertisers work through us to get to their consumers and the way they're comfortable uh, buying uh, through us, buying our audiences through us. We all, we all get that. We're not gonna come at this from the angle of it's terrible, oh my God, technology sucks, it's causing us all these problems. We're gonna come at it from the areas of opportunity, and so we're gonna look at it from how we can make lemons out of this lemonade that we have. It's a bad joke, sorry. Le lemonade out of the lemons. Uh, so that's how, that's how we're gonna approach it. So <laughs> just trying to introduce a little levity. You, you know, you're getting questions, right? Because I could just go like this. No. There we go. See? Anyone else who wants to ask questions, just sit in the front row. So le let's start off from this vantage point of, okay, we know it's affecting us. We know that uh, about 40% uh, at any one given point of our users might be using them. Uh, we know that number's gonna continue to increase. We're seeing those numbers increasing all around the world. Um, what's the first thing that you look at this and say, okay, this is the first thing we need to address. This is the first area we need to fix to work through this issue. Erin, do you wanna take lead on this? Sure, well, there are a <laughs> There, there are a few things, and the very first one, and the most important one, I feel, is definitely focusing on the end user and asking the question of, well, why are ad blockers so popular? Why are they growing in popularity? What's going on with our businesses and the content business that's necessitating something like this on the part of the consumer? And the answer is, a lot of the time, it's, you know, how are we handling our ads that we're serving them? The ad loads, especially on the mobile devices, which is such a small environment that can't handle some of the same ad loads that, that we're used to serving on desktop. You know? And also, how, what are the other things that are being impacted? Why are users using ad blockers? Um, and so obviously it's, you know, the answer is, you know, to eliminate ads, but it's also how are um, the ads affecting their data plans? Are they eating into their data plans? How are they affecting page load times? Those are all critical to the user experience. So it has to be user experience first. So Aaron goes with user experience. I know, David, that's something that you tend to focus a lot in. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think uh, as a user, 
historically some of these ads have been annoying and they track you around and they're intrusive and they kind of, uh, you know, th some of them have been, uh, have lessened my experience on online. So I, I feel like, um, I mean, this is an opportunity, as you were saying, it's an opportunity to make that experience better. But then as digital marketing evolves, it's going to become, it's going to get closer to content. Um, it's going to it's going to get closer to custom. It's going to get closer to native. It's going to get closer to video, and so on and so forth. Um, so I think I mean this might be a problem right now, uh, but I do feel like there is a solution in the very near future uh, to make a more impactful experience. Ryan, your thoughts? Yeah, m make it three for user experience. Right, the users are the ones that are installing ad blockers. Ad blockers were created by users who saw a problem in the first place. It wasn't created for to make money off the bat, at least off the bat. It's uh, changed now, um, but um, I agree that uh, you know we're gonna, you know, in a world where we're going to move to content, more pure native approaches, and it's not just about uh, that the ads were terrible or that they became terrible. It's that the way we delivered them also uh, became complicated. And as we move from desktop to mobile, uh, more we have li uh, limited bandwidth. And so the experiences that are built for desktop don't work as well on mobile. And we're still trying to squeeze desktop in, into mobile. So it's the creative approach, but it's also the technology approach. Take the same creative and make it load five times faster. You're going to have a different scenario than you do today. So for those of you just joining us and those of you who are in the room, you could see that somebody just crept up here on one of the chairs, very surreptitiously got on stage, and we'll happily keep him up here. Uh, his name is Zane from Watch With. And so Zane, if you could just give us a quick little intro, and then if you want to piggyback onto this idea that the first place we need to address, uh, the first areas we need to fix within uh, due to the ad block issue is user experience. So l let's get your background quickly and then jump into the topic. And uh, thanks for letting me sneak in there. Um, so I'm Zane Vell. I'm the CEO and founder of a company called Watchwith. Watchwith is uh, basically a new advertising product that's trying to um, solve a lot of these problems by really doing overlay right. So overlay meaning, right? Typically, we've had ads where you know we have a pre-roll or post-roll emulating linear video. Um, for years, we've had the technical capability to also overlay, uh, you know, a display component or an interactive display ad on top of video, um, but they're terrible, right? They're really frustrating. They're really annoying. YouTube built a business out of it, right? Like when YouTube bought, well, pardon me, when Google bought YouTube, they immediately started to monetize YouTube with display ads. Most of us just clicked through them and didn't really care about it. Um, but it drove an enormous amount of revenue. That's a native digital product, right? You can only do that in digital, have an ad server feed onto the video. So we looked at that and thought, you know, there's something here. If we could make those great, if they could look as good as a Chiron or um, broadcast graphics layer, if they could be as perfectly integrated into the content, well, then they'd be valuable. And so that, that's what Watchwith as a company does. It's really this idea of being able to bring the Chiron or, or on-air graphics layer to life and to be able to sell inventory in it as a as new ad product. So what Zane's going into, again, is this idea of a better user experience. 
right? So not only from how users interact with our content, but also how advertising is then presented on our platform as well. Yeah. And, uh, and served by ad servers. That's really important. Um, right? What we, in a way, what we have to do is we have to figure out how to, how as a programmer, as a, as a, as a local TV station or group, we can tap into all of that existing infrastructure, right? Demand, meaning buyers who, who are willing to say, I'll pay for your viewers uh, in, a, in an automated way. So you can actually pull out of that existing demand and drive that overlay layer in a way that will make money, similar to the way you take insertion orders and run commercials, but, but pulling into that ad infrastructure. Um, so I want to build off that, but for a moment I want to find Sandy Abrams. Where's Sandy Abrams? Sandy Abrams. Are you still periscoping? All right, next time you periscope, flag and let me know, because I want to I wanna try something out on it. Excellent. Um, okay, so something Zane said. Is it a dance? The one we planned, Erin. The one we planned. <laughs> I want you three guys to build off of something that Zane talks specifically about being served by an ad server. What is the relevance of that statement that he makes there? there there's something buried in there that's very important. I'll, I, I could start with that. We've, the ad industry has spent billions of dollars building a delivery system, ad servers. And uh, the way the ad blo blockers approach blocking an ad is they detect the technology or the infrastructure that will deliver an ad and they eliminate it from the screen. And so there's collateral damage that happens there. Uh, so it's not just eliminating a bad creative, it's eliminating the entire delivery system. We can't now go back and say, okay, we fixed the creative, let us through. That's not how the ad blockers work right now. So there would be some work that's required to, um, uh, to, sh uh, to, to, to demonstrate to, to ad blockers and users that what's going to come through the infrastructure that they're familiar with delivering poor experiences is now a good experience. But, but what companies are doing is basically detecting whether or not there's an ad blocker and saying, well, if you have an ad blocker on, the content's not going to play. It's actually relatively simple, right? It's like the, the publisher just needs to be conscious of that and aware of it. And the value exchange is, here's the deal. You're going to have your ad blocker on. You're going to have your ad blocker off. I'm not going to make it a horrible experience. You're going to watch with ads, and then you can go on to the next site and do whatever you want. Recently, we reported that when you do that, when you turn off the content, uh, most audiences then go back and they turn off their ad blocker so they can get something. But there's something deeper within there. Aaron, if you want to follow up on. Oh, no, I just, I just wanted to say that it is very much a thing. It, in fact, it's so much of a thing that you know our governing body, so to speak, the IAB, for those of you um, in the advertising industry are probably very familiar uh, with the IAB. They actually have a, they formalized this thing called Deal for Publishers, D-E-A-L, and uh, they launched it last month. And it, it has to do with exactly, you know, how do you, how do publishers specifically, what's the protocol, what are best practices and recommendations for them to address this very issue? And one of the things, you know, that has been floated by is exactly this. It's, it's you know, if, if you have an ad blocker, then, you know, go look for your content elsewhere or turn off your ad blocker. I mean, that's one of the options. There, there's the Paris newspaper, and I can't remember what the name is. You know what I'm talking about? And they just did this test. And the further you went on to the site, the blurrier the words got. 
And then, uh, and, th and then they told them, to the ad blockers, to, uh, to, to block the ad blocker. And then I think 20% of them did. And it was a very successful test and something that they're, they're going to continue to roll out. So I think that uh, all these publishers are trying out all these different ways to handle it. That was one that proved to be successful. Uh, thinking again about delivering it, whatever content we do deliver for our advertisers, delivering it through an ad server, to me, the significance seems to also be that there's data that we get out of it. Plus, there's comfort with how to buy it when it's delivered through an ad server. Uh, how do you see that changing as we start getting into more native type content and advertising? There, there's one other thing. You can also backfill from existing demand what you don't sell directly. Right? The mechanisms are built for, for that. So exactly, you get reporting, you have targeting, and you, know, you can buy it off segments. And what you don't direct sell there's AdX, there's AppNexus, there's OpenX, there's sure. liquid marketplaces. But how important is that to you guys? Can that change? Or do we have to still use that infrastructure? Ooh, I got a good question in here. A little quiet, a little thinking. That's a doozy. All right. Maybe we have to come back to it. All right, so um, Sandy right now is periscoping. For those of you that may not know Periscope, that means uh, on her Twitter right now, there is a link to a Periscope, a live video feed. Everybody can see this. So I'm going to use this opportunity to walk right up here and say hello, everyone, all the viewers out there. I'm Paul Cantonis from Digiday. I'd like you to go to digiday.com and sign up for one of our newsletters. We have newsletters, <laughs> daily newsletters that covers brand agencies and platforms. You'll also find we have outstanding events we do across the year for brands, agencies, publishers. Our publishing event is really wonderful. And uh, I hope you'll go to our site and join our newsletter. Thank you very much. So that was my native Shameless ad. Shameless plug. That was my native ad, okay? So, and I didn't do that through an ad server. So what are the opportunities there for brands, for uh, marketers to have, advertisers to have by doing those kinds of things? And where are the challenges for that? I just wanted to say one quick thing about this, because this is not the first challenge that marketers have faced over the last 10, 20 years. I mean, in the TV space, when DVR started coming in and people were time shifting or they're, they're fast forwarding through commercials, it's like, oh my God, my message isn't going to be seen. But everybody adjusted. Uh, marketers got closer to the content. They integrated their products into the shows. Uh, they created live commercials. I mean, they got much more creative. I mean, that creativity just really escalated. And that's going to have to happen here in the digital space as well. And we've had two types of creativity, though. We've had the good stuff you're talking about. And then we've had, I think, the bad creativity where we found more ways to be obtrusive and pop-ups and overlays. And every time, how many people have had this, the exit intent ad, you know, where you go to exit out of a site and all of a sudden, boom, there's a, a window that pops up or an overlay that pops up, right? Getting some, anybody raise their hand? Everyone see that before? Aren't, right. Aren't those mostly on adult sites? I mean, I've heard. <laughs> those are the pop-unders. You guys uh, just all revealed yourselves. Uh, raise but, your hand. You know, that's another form of creativity. I, I don't particularly like that creativity. I'd much rather see we go creative around the content. Yeah. Is this now the time where we really can fully invest in becoming uh, better at delivering content and advertising together and getting closer to the content? Is now the time because of ad blocking? Now is the time. Yesterday was the time. I mean, definitely. Um, and that's something at Bloomberg that we're doing right now. I mean, our, our impact, the ad blocker impact on us is, is none. Um, and that's because like, we have really cool units uh, that get integrated into the content. 
um, and we're creating, you know, with the, it's living, the, the, the video that we're creating customized for our clients is living right next to the, to the, uh, to the regular uh, video. So it's, uh, it's, it's a much better experience, and for the user, it just seems much more organic. Right. And, and I love, Aaron, sorry, one second. I love what you're doing at Bloomberg, uh, specifically on Bloomberg.com with your ad units that you're using. Chris Brasino, who, who does a lot of your creative, they hire heads up your creative, has a great banner strategy that we heard about at the WTF ad blocking where he talked about how the ads were not meant to be clicked. He's not tracking CTRs. He's tracking just awareness on it. How many impressions are we getting out there? Engagement. So really high quality. Aaron. Follow up question for you. So. Uh, how granular can you get on the back end with the data? What are you showing your advertisers on, on those units? Uh, we're showing engagement. We're using Moat um, okay. to do all that. So yeah, I mean, we're showing them everything they want to see. Ryan, what's happening at Federated around this idea of content and advertising? Well, I mean, we, we began to pioneer the idea of influencer content in 2005. So for us, the death of the banner has been since, since then or before. I think the ad blocking for, for me particular, particularly is marks sort of the, you know, the uh, uh, finally people are acknowledging uh, that there is a problem. Um, and so, you know, our products aren't around the banner. Uh, it's always been around the content and how do we integrate the product natively into the publishing experience. So bypassing the, um, the ad infrastructure and using the publishing process, using producers and editors and talent and creative versus you know, uh, JavaScript you know, uh, editors and, uh, and, and ad unit uh, creators. So if we all agree that user poor user experience around advertising is what got us to this point of the ad blockers rapid rise and growth, which is the pathway, if we have two paths in front of us, and you can only choose one of these two pathways, okay? You have to choose one. If you don't choose one, you choose both, you hit a wall. Okay, we'll just make it simple. And if one way is better advertising and content coming together, that idea of advertising getting closer to the content, being of higher value, higher touch, or more creative ways of delivering advertising, and you know, putting the foot down and saying, turn off your ad blocker, you turn off the content, which path would you prefer to go down? Or which path do you see the best future within? Well, I think both, path number one is already happening, as is evidenced by some of the panelists and you know what creative uh, things people are doing. So I would say, if those are the only choices, um, I mean, it has to be both, but if we had to pick one, <laughs> If we had to pick one, it would be it would be number one. And you know, I'm I'm finding much like um, much like you, we we're what Perch is doing is also we you know we're, we're shifting our thinking a lot about you know advertising. I mean, display advertising is about one third of our revenues currently. And so I mean, this this is an issue for us. I mean, clearly two thirds is not. So we're but it's because our model is so diversified. But you know, we're changing our approach. We're, yes, we're still focused on traffic as a metrics. We all care about traffic as digital content publishers. But we're also starting to think about the lifetime value. And that has becoming a very um, strong way, the way that we operate. So we may not monetize the visitor on you know, their first visit or even their second visit. We're starting to think of that relationship that we're building and we're, uh, we're approaching our content increasingly 
that way rather than transactionally. And that's part of the shift that I feel is happening with us and may need to happen industry-wide. So Ryan and David, Erin uh, is talking about advertising revenue being a third of her revenue. Now, she's got a very big commerce component, right? Dis- yeah, dis- display, display advertising, advertising in particular, not just. Um, and she has a big commerce component, but are we realizing now that the modern media company is more than just straight up advertising? It has to be multiple ways to monetize and multiple ways of working with your advertisers. Clearly, it's got to be more than display. So, so here's the thing with, with me. Um, we are a, a publisher. 90% of the products I execute are content marketing and native, but 90% of my revenue is display. And this is because, uh, and you touched on, on this already, uh, this is because the agencies uh, and the brands are familiar with transacting on display metrics, impressions and clicks. And so when you throw something at them that is custom, like content, that doesn't just, it doesn't, content does not scream scalability, uh, which we all like to hear. So when you throw something like content at them, they want it in a way that's digestible for their systems, for their analytics, that they can work across the board with. Uh, so for me, two doors. Um, I'm trying to go down door number two. We've been doing it for a long time. We found a clever way to do it by baking things into, disp- into the display infrastructure that agencies in the market have. Uh, but as long as uh, you know, the market has infrastructure around Path number one, uh, we have to find a happy medium, and it's our responsibilities to help build that new infrastructure um, and educate them on how we can show content can be scalable. Create one piece, and it can go everywhere. I, I love the fact that uh, people are refusing to stay in your binary construct because I think it is uh, it's provocative as a question, and the reality is um, exactly as everyone's described. It's the, the, the need among media agencies to transact on a scalable format um, will not go away. The, the ability for you know, companies, media companies like Bloomberg or Federate to be able to be content companies, like where your, where your integrated ad strategies are actually content, right? They're, they're branded content, they're, they're, they're investing. Those brands are investing in you to create content in your editorial voice with your editorial magic, right? But then the reality of that scalable unit on against an IO or spend is, mm, what do we do? The last bit is, I would suggest like, don't give up, right? Like, it, because these things are, you know, the banner is about 10 years old. The banner ad is as a product about 10 years old. Um, so coming up with things that, um, with new things that can scale, uh, is, is, is doable and things like Moat, um, you know, we're, we found that by giving publishers the ability to report with Moat tags on watch with in-program ads, it solved a lot of those problems. It's it, exactly that, like you have to listen and find out what people, what is it that they need to scale? So scalability, I think, is the, the, the word of the day for this particular discussion because let's say, uh, take the digital video component. Um, how many of you guys are familiar with the Jennifer Aniston sweater concept? <gasps> yeah. 
Yes. Okay. So this has been around for a long wow. time in digital video, right? I mean, 2006, 2007. And back then, you know, um, the, the concept was, okay, this is digital video I'm talking about. Not television where product placements and things have been, you know, around since the dawn of time. And it's very tough to specifically measure. Um, and, you know, and, and scale in the digital video piece is, you know, there was this thing called hotspotting where you're watching an episode of Friends. Yes, this is how old this example is. And you really love what Jennifer Anderson is wearing. You love her sweater. So if, you, if you're on the digital um, environment, you can kind of click on her sweater and then you'll, uh, you'll get served all the information. Here's what it is. Here's who makes it. Here's what you can buy. And you can click through it. So this, the concept, this idea has been around for a long time, a little bit reminiscent of what our, our friend Paul here did with his shameless plug a little bit earlier. I mean, it, it's been around. It's just the issue has been scalability. Those were baked-in experiences and not at all scalable, very tough to repeat, very expensive. And I don't know how much that world really has progressed in all right. this time. And it, it has to. There, there has to be a way to make this type of experience and similar experiences scalable. And, you know, just in my example alone, how do you buy it? How do you sell yeah, it? Exactly. How do you report on it? How do you track it? How do you, what's, you know, every time it's going to be a little bit different. I think that's one of the big challenges, By, the, by the way, I just checked. It was actually the late 90s. I think it was 97 was the I was say, it's about 20 years yeah. old. Yeah. yeah. You said I remember designing It's actually them. 20 years old at this stage. Don't date yourself. Um, she's I, I was trying she's to 12. not date myself. <laughs> so the, I think the, the good news uh, is that uh, from a publisher standpoint and a product standpoint, we have the tools that we need in order to innovate how we message in content. Uh, with Moat now, we integrate with Moat as well. What we're doing uh, or, or testing is using uh, attention metrics, not impressions, in order to sell content on a scalable and measurable uh, manner in view time. Uh, page views, obviously. But how, if everyone is transacting on page views, how can you tell if one page view is better than another? So things like time spent in view time are, are gaining traction. And when we have that, we have the opportunity to work with a brand and an agency, they come around pretty quickly and they'll stick to it. Um, the Jennifer Aniston uh, example is a great example because there are three or four vendors uh, that I met with in the last six months that are doing just that. They're adding overlay technology on video to measure where people are scrolling and, and, and clicking and that's great so we have that but we have to get in the door from a scalability perspective uh, and um, you know using analytics like moat and figuring out ways to speak or translate content into the language of, of agencies it's okay, okay. all good okay. Uh, so we're about to open it up to questions uh, and Lori will help us facilitate with the questions it, it, before we dive into those, get, get your questions ready, is so overall would you say what's happening with ad blockers good or bad for publishers first? Good or bad for publishers? You want to start down the scene? Good. Good. Short term question mark, long term Ooh. good. A little question mark action. Good, um, but there are some people that it's bad. <laughs> I it's the best thing that's happened to digital advertising since the banner ad. Got it. Now, what about for advertisers? Good or bad for advertisers? Zane? Also good because it's driving innovation. It's, it's 
good for both for the same reason that it's it, it's forcing people to not be complacent and come up with ad products and a new value exchange that works. Again, I have to go short term, long term. Short term, not so good because there is lost revenue. Long term, probably good. Definitely a win for uh, advertisers. Yeah, win for advertisers, again, forces them to open their eyes a little bit, transact on different models, which helps publishers and users. This is some tasty lemonade, I think. I'm liking this. Uh, questions from the audience? I have a question. Uh, I, I'm just wondering, because of F8 last week, what you guys, how you feel about some of those announcements where there's some discussion about Facebook taking over you know, and really curtailing your traffic to your sites. So, and, that, and then this becomes, ad blocking becomes yet another piece of why people aren't going to your sites. So. And so at the video summit we just had at Digiday, Facebook was a big topic of conversation. I think it was def clearly a frenemy for publishers in that we know the audiences are there, we know there's opportunity there to publish our content. A lot of publishers have seen massive declines in traffic coming off of Facebook. So it's again, and I don't think that should be a surprise to anybody here because we've seen this time and time again. Facebook did it with pages when you first set up a company page. Boy, you had great traffic coming off that page and your posts were seen by everyone in your feed that, that was getting your feed and now nobody sees it. It got all throttled back till you spend money. Same thing's gonna happen with video. They've loosened it with uh, content, branded content, so we can comfortably go do that for verified pages. But again, it's, it's, that's very short term for publishers. It's nice now. Get it while it lasts, and then it'll again. It'll go back to a well. We're gonna have to put a lot of money into it to get out of it. I actually have a question for the audience. Ha hand raise of hands. How many of you are using ad blockers? Wow. Anybody care to volunteer as to why? Reason number one. Why? I, I'm Mormon, and I don't I don't like pornography popping up. Particularly when I'm tending my my nieces and nephews in certain cases, I just don't like them to look at that when right. they want to come and hang out with Uncle Brad and watch a Bronco game or whatever. But can we do one more? Uh, anybody else have a reason for why you use them? Um, for me, it just makes using the internet way easier. There's just way less things to look at. Pages load faster. Pages load faster, and uh, whenever I go to a page, it's exactly what I want. Just yeah. right in front of me, no extra crap. <laughs> Thanks, guys. For me, it's just a matter of irrelevancy. 99% of the ads are just not relevant for me. And that's why I don't like it. I don't mind getting an ad or two or three. Just make them relevant, make them targeted, and then I will be happy to look into and click. Out of all the um, hundreds of YouTube videos that I see, all the pre-roll ads, I think I, I don't skip only one of them out of every hundred. So that's the problem. So we as an industry have been talking about making ads more relevant for our viewers for a long, long time, but it sounds like that's still not happening in your case, or in, at least in some cases. So I think maybe a challenge that we have is once we're actually c comfortable that we've gone in that direction far enough, how do we let people know? How do we rebuild that trust and that, well, look, you know, 
we will serve you some ads. You won't have as many, but they will be relevant. They'll be more personalized to you. You're going to get benefit out of them. Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of a creepiness sometimes of the personalized ads. I was once shopping for a soccer jersey for, as a gift, and everywhere I went, this Barcelona jersey that I didn't buy was following me on every site. And I didn't buy it for a reason. It was too much from that one store. And that store's ad just kept following me. No, no, no value, just everywhere I went. And I love Barcelona, but still, it was too much. Paul, just one, one thing before the question. Uh, we talked about this before the panel. And... Uh, how much education needs to take place uh, with the users with ad blockers? And uh, one of the one of your points over there um, is, yeah, I mean, ad blockers are great, but publishers need to make money, and you could be ruining your favorite source of news or fashion or whatever it is by blocking the ads. So, how much education has to happen with that? I don't know. Yeah, good point. I think I think plenty for sure. I'm just curious. You to get this targeted advertising, you have to get the data and, and follow people's usage. But what about the new rules coming down from several countries about privacy and, and locking that down? How is that going to impact how you're going to do that? Well, we already have uh, different policies for different territories, uh, things you can do and things you can't do. Uh, it'll be another layer of complexity into the whole ad system. And then you'll again have cases where ads aren't really relevant to you. And there are cases where you'll get more relevancy. It's, it's all just a continuing challenge on how do we deliver advertising to our readers or our, our consumers. Well, I think that's actually gonna help the cause. Because if the inventory becomes scarce all of a sudden, because we can't find you anymore, advertisers have to pay more for you. And if they're going to pay more for you, I have the opportunity as a publisher to do more creative things. And so I look at it as an opportunity. I look at ad blocking as an opportunity. I look at uh, uh, data privacy as an opportunity uh, and challenge. Ryan, that's a great point. And I'm in a different space and I own a technology, patented technology, where we work with consumers and we work with brands. And one of the things we found is it's consumer initiated. Consumer asks for something we deliver. The entire time, the only thing I've heard from you guys is, we've got to learn to find a better way to deliver it to them. Not once have I heard, what do they want? And when are you going to work with what they want? That's really what you just said now, and that's what really you need to do. And that's what we do. Yeah, so um, I actually did a, a, a keynote uh, earlier, well, this year, uh, for Digital Trends of 2016, and my big headliner was, do what they love to do and you'll never have to worry about advertising for the rest of your life. You'll never have to worry about ad blocking or, uh, or what the next uh, creative is. Uh, so so, I, so I, I, I certainly uh, certainly agree with that uh, point, Simple. I'll agree with you to a point. Consumers don't know what they want. That's the statement I'm going to make. They don't know what they want. Uh, look at New Coke. Perfect example. We like Pepsi's taste. It's sweeter. We like sweeter, so, uh, a sweeter beverage. So Coca-Cola said, oh crap, let's ditch classic, make new Coke. Ended up with something completely different that people really didn't want. And I think that's something you tend to find is when you do ask people what they want, it's very different than what they actually do. So it's nice to ask, but you really gotta look at the data of what they're actually doing because they might be blocking one thing and really looking at something else. Which goes back to Steve Jobs, give them something that they need before they know that they need it. 
Paul, to Paul's point, we actually, as a company, we're very data-driven. So we do a ton of actual analysis of actual behaviors as well as surveys across, of our, across our brands. And we do find sometimes that that is, in fact, the case when we ask someone's, you know, the attitudinal stuff and they tell you what they want and then you implement it, then th when we measure actual behaviors, it doesn't always pan out. Sometimes it does, but sometimes it doesn't. I don't think it's as clear, this one-to-one -one relationship, where they tell you what they want, and then they actually want it. It's not always the same. And, and I agree with that. Coke and Pepsi, crappy analogy, because it's a 50-50 split. Guy drinks Coke, doesn't drink Pepsi. Hey, man, I drink RC. There you go. <laughs> I drink Shasta. Um, but, but to that point, you know, take, take Cheerios, okay? have a consumer, they're in the store, and they're in the grocery store, they scan Cheerios in my application. We deliver an ad for Cheerios and Rice Krispies, Wheaties, Corn Flakes, same, same product set, okay? That's where you're influencing the buy, changing the vertical. And, you know, Nestle says it all the time. They don't want to sell somebody something that they already buy. They don't want to give them an opportunity to buy that. What they want to do is build a different vertical, and that's really what you need to do. So one last part of response to like that idea of like give them what they want. I mean, there, there is, in some of the new ad products we're seeing, um, a trend in that direction. Whether it'll catch on is hard to say, but like um, companies like uh, Truex, that got bought by, uh, by Fox recently, kind of the idea of in video giving the, giving the audience an option, like would you rather just let the linear ad load play or would you rather engage in a short interactive ad? Right? So they're, they're trying that. And, no surprise, like most people choose the shorter interactive hamster trail thing than sticking with 90 seconds of a commercial, right? People value their time and attention and they'd rather just like click through some interactive thing to get past it. I think that's a kind of, um, you know, stage one of this. But on a panel yesterday, there was some conversation about Amazon's X-Ray, um, right? Anyone familiar with X-Ray? Uh, on the Kindles, uh, on any of the Amazon video products, uh, and when anytime you want as a user, you can touch the screen and it will um, bring up uh, the actors that are in that scene and the music that is uh, playing in a soundtrack um, and sometimes kind of information about the locations and all of that. And he was from the four A's. And it was interesting because he was talking about design and storytelling. And that idea of, a, of an optional layer, right? Like you're just watching the show, there's gonna be some level of commercials, but maybe there's something in this idea that if a brand that wants to connect with you, right? You, we know you're a Candy Crush player. If a brand that wants to play with you is willing to say like, hey, leave this layer on and we'll bring you Candy Crush currency, um, or right, we'll, we're a brand, we'll give you something, uh, something additional, right? some layer of branded engagement on top of the content um, that you can choose to keep on. It's fine, you can shut it off and just get the commercials like always. I think that's really the most exciting territory right now, figuring out that new value exchange, those new experiences that the digital technologies, like we don't have to stay in the box of linear ads. Right? And you don't have to go all the way to the extreme of branded content. There's really interesting things that can scale in between. So we've come to the end of our discussion. And I always like to have a little bit of a quick takeaway. We've had a good, some great, great interaction with the audience. And, uh, uh, quick oh, final yeah, thought, Ryan, do you want to kick us off? Like, 
last takeaway. I, I think someone said it before, but this is just another thing. We've 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 dealt with this in other in other industries. We've dealt with this within our own industry, uh, and we're really it's it's really early. It's, it's only been a couple of years, um, and so we'll be figured out. The user experience will get better. Uh, all all publishing platforms will be just as fast as uh, instant articles on Facebook, um, and so uh, you know it, it's evolving. This is going to spur great creative growth. Um, I feel like the end result is going to be so much better than where we are right now. Um, to, I mean, to your point, I mean, all publishers do need to understand, you know, why the users or their customers consume what they have. Um, and yeah, as long as you just keep making it relevant for them and keep making your advertising work in an organic environment, everybody's going to win. Somewhat seconding that in that you cannot lose with a focus on the consumer. Even if your uh, short-term um, bottom line is affected, if you're in it for the long haul, you, you will win by focusing on the consumer experience and giving them something rich and something that they want or need truly. And in the spirit of all that, it's okay. remembering that this is uh, an evolution of ad products and it's all very new. And take the time uh, to build partnerships with the brands and agencies to hear what they need to do and like take time to figure out how you as a, whether you're a local broadcaster or a, you know, a publisher, how you can respond it's okay that no one knows the answers right now, right? Like, so partnerships to figure out what people need on both sides are totally the name of the game. Excellent. Uh, please join me in thanking our panelists. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, we are broadcasting live from voiceamerica.com. And if you would like to get this podcast and all the podcasts that we're going to be sharing after this uh, event, please put your business card in the jar over there. And let's have one more hand for Paul, David, Aaron, Zane, and Ryan.